You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'm the co-host of the show. The other co-host of the show is Joe Pritchard. Joe, I hope you've had a better week than the Alouette secondary. I mean, who didn't? <laughs> the Red Blacks? <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a possibility, yes. <laughs> right. Well, after, for me personally, a pretty frustrating week of CFL football games, with one exception. Uh, For some reason, it must be the masochist in me. I just can't wait to start talking about it. Do you want to start talking about last week's game, Joe? That's what we're here for, right? I got a lot of venting to do. I got a lot of of hostility, as they say. Okay, well, the floor is yours. We're going to start with Thursday night like we always do, so. Uh, let's, Let's do this in chronologically possibly for maximum suffering for me. No, this would be the last one if that were the case. Uh, All right. Edmonton Elks, 32 at Montreal Alouettes, 31. In hindsight, everyone really should have picked Edmonton in this game because A, they were the visiting team. B, at Montreal, who is having... The season from hell. You know? uh, I, I guess re- I gotta stop you right there. There's a flag down. <laughs> well, it's got to be defensive pass interference. Mm, that's a definite <laughs> possibility. Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, okay. The Alouettes are having that kind of season where it's like. Not only is it the whatever can go wrong will season, it's also the finding exciting new ways to lose season. This was yet another one. Uh, we've had a couple that we've thrown away, missed field go- uh, missed field goal, one of them, and here we just have the pass interception. Uh, I'm sorry, the pass interference, triple decker. You know uh, what was this? I actually had this down. It was three. Um, three spots inside the red zone for 103 yards, all in the fourth quarter, all on at least all on different defenders, uh, by the Alouettes. One of them challenged, you know, hopelessly, uh, didn't stick. I mean, wow, <laughs> wow. This defense, okay, so this was, of course, the first game of coach Danny Mikosia. But the other thing was, was that this was also the first game of new slash old defensive coordinator Noel Thorpe, who I was always a big fan of back in the day on his first turnaround with the Alouettes and was a big advocate of maybe he should be the next head coach of the Alouettes. He never I was, remember but... these conversations. Yes. Sure. Of course. Of course. I, I really loved Noel Thorpe in those days and um, wow. Wow. Okay. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to be charitable and just put it on, you know, the first game by the new defensive coordinator. I mean, they did have two weeks, so this really shouldn't be an excuse, but I don't want to rip anybody. I mean, the out, the owls are still what? a game and a half back of first, you know? So it's not like we're not in the playoff hunt in this thing still, despite all this stuff, but she's wow. I mean, is there anywhere to go, but up? I mean, seriously. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another. If one. you're asking okay. if it can get worse, it certainly can. Really? Yes. They can. Wow. Yes. Why? Eugene Lewis gets injured. I mean, I mean, that's on the table, but I mean, they could go winless the rest of the way. That's certainly on the table right now. No, because they're going to beat Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in Winnipeg. 
so wow i mean i mean the thing that really got to me was and i guess this was exacerbated by the pass interference by the pass interferences but in that second half the defense could could do nothing i mean the offense wasn't exactly ripping it up we had one touchdown in that second half uh and and was that the uh almost pick six was the almost pick six in the first half of the second half I can't remember the order anymore yeah I'm, I, I I'm, I'm still uh, only really the fourth quarter stuck in my head after that all that oh. well it's gonna stick in the fans heads too I mean the first half was great I mean we went in that thing if but here was the thing you know we go we're up 24 nine driving again. And as soon as Harris threw the pick and they returned it into field goal range. It feels thought, like that was it. right before the first half, right before the end of the first half too. Yeah. The pick, the pick. Now that, now yeah. that you mention it, now that you, yeah. now that that's back in my brain, I feel like that was right before the end of the first half because another score would have really helped Montreal, but the score right before the half kind of lit a fire under Edmonton. I guess, I guess, I don't know. For me, the thing was, is look, the defense for Montreal came out flat in the second half. Okay. I mean, um, one of the, one of the things I was looking at because it felt like Edmonton had the ball the entire friggin' fourth quarter. So I went back and did the time of possession thing. Well, first half was just about 15, 15 and the Owls could have had a 15 point lead. Okay. They have a 12 point lead at half. No sweat. In the second half, they had the ball 11 minutes, less than 11 minutes. It was more like 1045. That's, that's insane. That's insane. You can't, <laughs> how does this happen? You know, they were just letting up third down conversion after third down conversion. It felt like long conversions. And then of course the 103 free yards, you know, so wow. Just a really, really frustrating game. I can't imagine that even if we, do lose the rest of the way out. I can't imagine that we'll have more gut punch losses like the three or four we've already had this season. No, it's not been a good way to start the season. Hey, not at all. Because the team could conceivably be three and two or four and one even. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder what our Pythagorean looks like. <laughs> you know, what does our PE look like right now? Are we like plus one yet? I mean, like, I'm just just thinking back to the missed field goal in Toronto Mm. and how much different the season is if that doesn't happen, because there's still, there would be no excuse for Danny Machocha to have fired Kari Jones after week four, if they're two Mm. and two instead of one and three. uh, Because it's clear to me, at least, that he was just waiting for a chance and he got it early and he wasn't going to miss. Yeah. Yeah. But if, that chance isn't there because his kicker can make a 21 yard field goal. Well, then what are we looking at right now? (laughs) Jesus. Okay. On the other side of the ball. Yeah. The Edmonton Elks second one in the season. Um, Now, look, I don't want to be sour grapes or anything, but when you get three penalties that are half of your quarterback's passing yards, I mean, that's, pretty helpful when you're playing with a short field or you know against a defense that's not going to turn the ball over the second half i mean that really reduces the margin of error you know what i mean so i don't know how how did you feel about the elks after this game i think that they're still they're still working on finding the guys that they're going to go forward with they're still shuffling the deck Taylor Cornelius was a starter this week because they traded Arbuckle and Jones is hurt or um, Jones. Trey Ford is hurt. So they're still trying to find, find a, who their quarterback is going to be going forward and B who is going to be around him. So they're not going to come out and be crisp and make and be, and, and feel like they've got everything together, but they do have some talent there. And if you make that many mistakes and let them stay in the game, they got enough talent to hurt you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, ask yeah. Hamilton how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels strange to like. Again, it feels like sour grapes. 
to 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 pick on a team that just scored 32 points and won the game and has twice as many wins as your team but right you know still and, and has given up still and has given up almost 100 points more than they've scored mm. yep. as opposed to your team that's given up two more points than they've scored well gee our defense was our saving grace there until this game mm-hmm. You know, we, we looked really good. And in fact, in the first half, we looked really good on defense too. It was just, damn, such a disappointment. I mean, I, again, I can't imagine fellow Al's fans. I can't imagine that will get much lower than this, but let's talk about the bizarro Alouettes. <laughs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 26, Calgary Stampeders, 19. Okay. This game was forecast by us and by everybody else on the planet. It gives a damn as the CFL game of the week. And it really lived up to it. Uh, I guess, uh, Joe, is this the beginning of uh, Agudo Sanity? Yes. (laughs) Agudos Mania is running wild in Winnipeg. Um, In his CFL debut, two touchdowns on eight catches. Lottie Hards. Uh, a great fantasy pick for the what 0.2 percent of players who probably had him this week again came from out of nowhere. He, nice game for him. Um, just a great game all around. Um, some huge games for the familiar stars of the CFL, which was great to see. Uh, Winnipeg quarterback Zach Caleros, of course, 27 of 38 for 315 and two touchdowns. How is this dude getting better? Is he just warming up or like, like? I mean, week to week, he's just better every week. And he was already pretty good. Yeah. He, he finds ways to extend plays. And when mm-hmm. he can extend the play, he's very, very dangerous. Not that, he's, not that he's not dangerous when he's in the pocket and has a little bit of time. But if he doesn't have that time, he can still spin away from you and find the time to let his receivers get open. So he's mm-hmm. making his own break sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous player to play against. The line too in the past two games has really shown tremendous improvement over these early games when, when Zach is just dumping it out after a second, you know, after half a second is just dumping it to the, to the check down. So it's nice to see that as well. That line really coming together. I think they only surrendered one sack in this game. I'm not looking at that page at the moment. Uh, Greg Ellingson was the primary target. 152 yards on 11 catches. Um, wow. No defense can stop this guy, apparently. No. Just he, he seems to have a skill of finding a hole in the defense, especially when Kolaris is running around. When Kolaris is running around, he's looking for Ellingson first. And Ellingson knows how to get open in that situation. Yes, I mean, there's other plays out there that he can get away and throw long to a guy. But Ellingson seems to have the knack for being able to get away when Kalaros is able to throw the ball. On the other side, uh, Kadeem Carey. Wow. Just another big game. Uh, this was statistically his best game of the season, but geez, every time he's whipping off at least one huge run a game, 110 yards on just 12 carries this game is, is, is carry too small for the NFL. He's never going to get to play in the American league. Is he? Gosh, I couldn't even tell you what his career arc has been so far, Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean, given how long he's been in the CFL already, I'm guessing that they've, Made that the NFL executives have made yeah. the decision, wrongheaded as it is usually, to that he's not one of them. So well, we get to benefit you, from that. Well, do you think that this is lightning in a bottle then? Or do you think this he's is been good. just he's making been, a leap? He's been good for a while. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> but he's been special this year. I mean, you know, he's 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 the he's the runner of the year. Don't you think? Yeah, I, mean, I, the... I think what helps too is that Bo is healthy, so the def- yep. defenses have to honor Bo's ability and skills yep. again. Whereas last year they could, they could creep up a little bit and try to make Cal- and try to make Calgary pass the ball. You're asking for a lot of trouble if you're doing that this year, which means Kerry has the holes he needs to make the big runs. 
uh, it seemed like there was a couple of very well-timed runs where they caught a couple of yeah. the Winnipeg defensive ends who are extremely talented pass rushers in pass rush mode and just snuck carry right in behind them. Yeah. 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 One on the right side. Uh, yeah. That was a sweet, sweet call. Um, and one more Reggie Bagleton, only four catches, but 82 yards and a touchdown. So good fantasy play there. Um, one of the things I like best about this game, and I think it's pretty much a hallmark of, of all games, and especially when you compare it to something like that Hamilton-Ottawa uh, game, just two turnovers, just two turnovers and, and earned uh, the one in the first quarter on the punt return, punt return. And uh, of course, that set up the Bigleton touchdown in the first quarter. And then... <laughs> That insane, like, deflected. Okay, here's the thing. Here's what I don't get. All right. Kamar Jordan catches the ball, right? Mm -hmm. Hits the ground in pay dirt. Isn't that a touchdown? Don't you've you watch enough NFL to know that they talk about surviving contact with the ground. Right. Okay. 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 Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was confused by that as it happened, because as soon as it happened, it was like he hits the ground and then bam, the ball comes up and the interception It was the same thing as the, the, the interception turned into touchdown in Toronto, Winnipeg, where I think it was Houston caught the ball. Hit the ground, have it had, had it pop up, and Banks caught it. Same mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. same concept. Mm-hmm. It just it just surprised me because I was slow on the draw. Everybody else was just like, "Up oh, interception!" Whoa, and I was just like, "Wait a minute." There's there's not going to be the review where they see if his knee hit the ground or whatever. Well, they did they but did yeah, review right, it right. to make sure the ball didn't hit the turf. Right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which actually, ironically, would have saved him, right? Yes, exactly. At least temporarily. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, just a great game. Probably the game of the year so far, huh? I would say so. And yeah. I mean, ca- coming back to the fact that we're talking about another one of these plays, it just makes me think that history doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes it sure rhymes, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, but I mean, okay but I mean, to see a play like that decide a game, I mean, how often are you going to see that? We're not going to see that again for the rest of the season, right? Oh, wait, hold that thought. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No, no, there's been a lot of, you know, I saw somebody on on Twitter complaining about how, you know, the, the quality of games this year has been bad. And it's just like, literally, I think Did they watch the last year. Did well. they watch last year? <laughs> Well, that was my feeling. That was one of my feelings too on that tweet was that this is just somebody pulling the trigger from last year, somebody that went through last year and now they're pulling the trigger early this year. But the truth is, is that half these games, literally half the games have gone down to seven points or fewer and very, very many have gone down to this final play. I mean, Jesus, Montreal has had like three or four ourselves. I mean, you know, uh, so this wasn't quite the final play, but it was the final play before kneel downs. Right. So basically the the final real play of the game the game so, deciding okay. play yes right there you go so okay a couple of a uh, couple of questions for you then mm-hmm. uh <laughs> can you sustain this indefinitely oh, of course not but you, but you, right that's I what mean, i wanted <laughs> right five and oh right now i mean 18 and oh is probably unattainable but you know, 15 and three is in the cards, 14 and four is in the cards. I mean, what are you right now? 14 and one. There were, there were a few bounces that few bounces and a few calls that could have gone the other way to change this one. So I'm not going to sit here and say, Winnipeg's going to run the table and nobody's going to stop them because Calgary has been pretty consistently giving Winnipeg trouble over the past couple of years, not winning the games usually, uh, last year's um, last year's last preseason game before the playoffs, notwithstanding, like Calgary's been giving Winnipeg games in the games that matter. So mm-hmm. there's another one in two weeks. 
that might be when the bubble bursts, but we'll see. Okay, yeah, I was, we'll I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that. Now, were you impressed? How impressed were you by the stamps in this game? Because I am beginning to get convinced now that this is the other team to beat. See, I, the one preseason prediction I've gotten right so far, like <laughs> the only one, is that Winnipeg was gonna be at the top of top of the standings. And Calgary was going to be the one nipping on their heels. Right. Literally, the only well, thing also, I've gotten right so far. But that's well, you got Edmonton on the bottom too, right? You must add Edmonton in the five spot, right? Sure, uh, sure. And I had that. So, I had it that way, right. but yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. To, as far as uh, and actually, right now I have the standings correct mm. in the West. In the East, God, wow. I don't even freaking remember what I had in the East, but I had them being good, so I don't even count it at this point. So that's not that's pretty good but i really don't think that it's gonna be saskatchewan 3 bc4 right bc's had a couple buys already yeah 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 and we'll talk about this when we get to next week's games but they've already come out of a buy once this season and they hung up what 45 points in that game so coming out the buy against toronto so 44 44 points. 44 to 3 was that game. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, let's go on to Toronto Argonauts 30, Saskatchewan Rough Riders 24. Now, um, Joe, I guess, reports the same problem that I do that ESPN, for some reason, is glitching out. We're not showing this game. I could not watch it live. I was counting on being able to watch it later. I could not. <laughs> I have seen the highlights, I have read up about it. Uh, in the various Canadian newspapers and whatnot. Um, so we're going to do our best here, folks. Uh, I've been informed and in evidence that they sold out the approximately 11,000 seats in Acadia. So, and like immediately, for- too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So good for them. Yeah. I just wanted to give out kudos for that. You know, I was looking at that stadium. Wow. That's really a pretty. Stadium. That's a, that's a nice place to see a game. I think that would that would be a a, a, a nice place to go. Yeah. And just eleven thousand. They that's had they had eleven thousand seats on it. Yep. It, it from what I saw, and I got to see bits and pieces. It looked like there might have been a little bit of room to expand some temporary seats around there, but we'll see. That's that's a that's a bridge we cross when we get there if we even have an expansion group anymore. Because if they weren't going to show up for this event, I mean, how viable are they anyway? Oh, yeah, but doesn't doesn't Touchdown Atlantic always get a good crowd together? It, it does. It is, and it's always going to get a good crowd together when it's an event. Mm-hmm. It got, I've seen a lot of people crow, mm-hmm. crowing about how well it went and how it's clear that Atlantic Canada wants a team. But it's almost like a midseason Grey Cup. There's fans from every team out there to see the game, and also plan their summer vacation at the Maritimes for it. So I That's would true. be interested to see if that kind of thing care if if they can if they could potentially sustain fifteen to twenty thousand on a regular basis. You make it a one-off event every year, and you're going to sell out but you got nine of them and then all of a sudden you don't have nine fan bases pick have being able to send a few of their representatives out on a vacation and a CFL game. Now you've got one of those. Now you're only picking from one fan base and there's not going to be nearly as many people traveling across Canada to go see, to go see somebody else's game instead of their own teams. Mm -hmm. But they would like something like the Las Vegas Knights. They would instantly have a fan base. They would have a fan like, base. There's, for example, yeah, uh, the closest all, team is Montreal, all. and that's not close. So, right. Oh yeah, and plus, yeah. I mean, come on. Let's face it. Nova Scotia and Quebec are two different places. Right. Does they I would. Mean? Ha- they would have. <laughs> they they would distinct. have the advantage of having. In being in a place where they could be the number one show in town. Yes. Yes. That's the other thing. There's two other things. One is this is a situation like San Antonio. You know, this is a situation or Oklahoma City. 
you get one major league team, you love that team. <laughs> you know, that is your team. Um, the other thing is, is there's not a team in North American sports that doesn't sell out every game of the first year of the team. Right. Sure. So but I'm also thinking one. about being sustainable. Right. 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 That's what That's I'm saying. The biggest definitely have. There's always that platform. I mean, even the Vancouver Grizzlies had that platform of selling out, you know, the first year. So really what I'd love to, what I'd love to see is them not going crazy on a stadium design and putting up like a, like how they put up a temporary empire stadium when BC place was getting, was getting um, renovated. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see them do something like that to keep the cost down. But then the problem is you have less to sell to your sponsors and you might have issues getting sponsors out there with, I don't know of too, too many huge corporations out that way, but also. No, but you get every provincial corporation. That, that, that would be the thing. So I guess, I guess, I guess we'd have to see how they go about doing it because building a building an IG field or a new mosaic is not the cards out there especially no. with the fact that no local government wants anything to do with it. Yeah. So you're almost going to have to build your own if you're going to do it. And if you don't want to spend a ton of money on that, maybe a temporary empire situation is the place to start, but then you're, gam- then you're gambling, you're going to be able to draw. So well, it's the other not play- a sure thing to make that, to make, to make the CFL 10. That's for sure. Well, the other play, too, is like, again, let's say Halifax wants to make that leap into sports, right? Mm -hmm. So you put a lacrosse team there, you try and get a soccer team there. I I understand that, you know, MLS has relegation and and promotion and stuff. So set up a soccer team there and then bam, you know, you get a multi-purpose stadium. I know that football team owners don't like that, but I think in a community like Halifax, that would be awesome. That'd be, that'd be what you have to do. You're not going to build, you're not going to build a place for just nine or nine or 10 events. Right. Right. Well, yeah, but you know, you use it for concerts and blah, blah, blah and whatnot. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, that would be swell. I think that would be a great play. I think that would be a nice move. This lacrosse league in Canada is really huge these days, isn't it? It's big. Folks love it. Um, I was just thinking while I watched the highlights, um, and it seems kind of obvious, but I don't know, it really struck me today that, okay, Cody Fajardo is 20, 24 or 34 for 284 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Okay. A bit of a boo-boo there, but I was just thinking about how, if you have a Fajardo or a Rourke that can really air it out, I mean, that does things to the opposing defense, you know, that teams like Montreal right now and Ottawa just aren't capable of. I mean, if you have these guys that are forced to throw 12 yard curls, the whole game, it's just, it's just not conducive. And I mean, it's just, it's just so nice to see a Saskatchewan, even though they lost this game, it's just nice to see the way that they can spread the field. Yeah, you know, they have a, they have an arm. They have a dynamic know? offense. Yeah, uh, Morrow has stepped up and really been great. and been a oh, better yeah. running back than anybody expected. I'm sure people Jesus. were expecting a downgrade when William Powell left, myself included. Guilty. Uh, <laughs> doesn't seem to be the case there. Kean Schaefer Baker stepping up to be a good, solid Canadian receiver, and maybe even more than that. Uh, they still got they still got talent on that receiving core. I mean, if we can keep Duke Williams from throwing helmets at people and keep him in the game, he's going to produce for you. Yeah, because Williams is awesome too. I mean, yes. you know, he's he's a fantastic player. But yeah, you're right. Got to watch the helmets. Um, yes. Um, so it's a so if they can keep if they can keep their if they can keep themselves together, they should be able to make some noise. But it seems like they're just having they're struggling on a level that. I can't really speak to like there seems to be an undercurrent going on there, at least from an outside perspective. I have no inside knowledge or anything, 
but it just seems like this team is less than the sum of its parts. And it's been that way for a couple of seasons now. Well, again, I'm still hanging on the aggression thing. I'm still hanging on. They don't know how to finish you off. You know, they don't know how to get on a roll. They just don't do it. You know, they're just not crushing teams. You know, they're just not. They, they have these opportunities to win and they're just not finishing it off. It's not like this Hamilton Ottawa game where Ottawa and Hamilton keep trying to hand the game back to each other. It's just Saskatchewan takes that foot off the pedal too quickly. Every time, every mm-hmm. time they lack that killer instinct. And I mean, it's, it's stupid to say something like that, but that's what it looks like. You know, they're, they're just not finishing it off. I mean, geez, maybe they need Chris Jones back. <laughs> I'm sure that's a popular notion at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I'm not serious. I mean, you can't go. These, these guys are four and two. Like Joe says, you know, they're a scoring machine. I, I got to say at this point, too, I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to make an outrageous prediction to make up for my other outrageous prediction at the beginning of the season. The first thing is this. That is a tremendously dynamic offense in Saskatchewan, and I want to make a prediction right here. And I want to say, you know what? There's going to be the crossover is going to be from the West and they're going to be in the gray cup. Either, either the riders or the lions are going to be in the freaking gray cup this year. I know it. I how she's, I mean, <laughs> this, I mean, if things continue like this in terms of quality of play, we're going to talk Hamilton Tiger gets 25 out of a rib like 23 in just a second. If things continue like this, man, it's going to be an all West great cup. The four best teams are in the West, but the four best teams are in the West. We've also got a true even close. Well, we also have a Toronto team that is at least middle of the okay. pack here. Okay. They're two and two. Okay. They've had a couple of the bye weeks already, which it's really weird how they set the bye weeks up this week, this year. BC's already had two of them. Toronto's already had two of them. Yeah. Winnipeg it's doesn't have their BC. first one until the end of August. And then they have like two in the last month. So it, it just, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the outside for how they did that, but I wouldn't sleep on Toronto. They've got enough okay. talent and they seem to be able to, ha- they seem to be able to get things done when they have to, which is just not what the rest of the division has. So that'll be a help to help to them to, Maybe have a, a bit of an inflated record at the end, but I can't see them. I can't see a, a scenario right now, barring injury or something oddly dramatic happening where Toronto isn't on top of the division at this point. Yeah. Right. Whether that's 12 and six, 10 and eight, nine and nine, I don't know. But they're, yeah. but they'll be the one at the top and they'll be a tough out in November at home in the East final. And well, they the, had the learning experience last year of what it's like to be in that situation. And I'm sure they'll take that knowledge into, into November this year. Well, I can probably crunch the numbers on this for next week, but if they went 10 and eight, like if they finished 10 and eight, again, that pretty much implies that at least two of the teams in this division are going to have losing records in the East, maybe all three besides Toronto. Yeah. Well, at least two, right. You're guaranteed. I'll have to figure out what the threshold is. Right. But I think like, I don't think there's any doubt once, once the West, once the West went crazy in the early season against the East and won almost every dang game that there'd be a crossover. Like that's almost written in stone at this point, the way the schedule's lined up. And the East has four wins combined, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, where, I mean, the, the entire East is something like 10 games behind BC, (laughs) you know, it's like, come on now. Come on. This is, this is terrible. This is terrible. And Hamilton Tiger Cats, 25, Auto Roblox 23 was really the summation to a crummy East to this point. Now I can't hack on the red blacks too much because man, this game just really irked me. Not just because the tiger cats won, (laughs) although that really went a long way with me, but just because it was so pointedly obvious 
that if the Red Blacks hadn't had to start a first game quarterback, they would have crushed the Tiger Cats in this game. Well, the Tiger Cats were... first game this season, right? Because Caleb Evans was a starter for most of last year, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, uh, the Red Blacks? Yeah, Caleb Evans was start didn't. Oh yeah, that's right. That's made right. quite I'm a few sorry. starts last year. I don't have I'm the num- okay. I, I don't have, have the numbers it. in front of me, but yeah, first this season. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I should have said yeah, first time this season. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and plus, you know, again, Caleb is a guy who doesn't have much of an arm, right? Is more known for for being able to run the ball, but which he did actually a couple of times very nicely in this game. But you know, and and still trying to give this game away on multiple occasions i mean yeah okay the defense actually did something this game i actually in fact they basically like you know multiplied their cumulative stats for the year by several fold uh five sacks two fumble recoveries and two interceptions now again and a guy playing his first game of the year for at quarterback um but wow i mean stephen dunbar's catch notwithstanding i mean just (laughs) there was the fumble by dane evans which was precipitated by his own center alex fontana there was the way they came out completely dead in the first quarter and 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 just running away with it the lawrence woods how about this play uh, on the punt return where he's off to the races. And I mean, everything is fine, except he looked back. Right. And what does Satchel page say, Joe? Don't look back. Something might be gaining on you. Something might be gaining on you. Right. Something was gaining on him. Why did he do that? I mean, Dwayne Ford was hilarious because he like really went off on that. It's just like he even had to leave the game after this, you know, he came back in and then he left the game again after that with an injury. So, uh, and then at, after this, you know, for some reason they put in Matt Schiltz to play. I didn't get this at all. They left him in. He's in the red zone, throws a pick on third down. You know, it's like the fans are starting to boo. And, and somehow, with a minute 45 left, the Red Blacks are up by five. They still let up the touchdown. And then there's the missed field goal. I mean, like Hamilton tried to give that back by playing so light, uh, so light and trying to keep the top on Ottawa as they're moving downfield into field goal range. Ottawa just, I mean, yeah. Ottawa just was like a yard or two short because Ward hit that well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was like, it skimmed the front of the crossbar, mm-hmm. right? It just nicked it. Right. I was just, Cause it, it was dead on that. I thought he was going to make it. It was turning funny, but it definitely had the leg. You know, I thought it was like an inch or two short. Yeah. Almost, it almost got the doink, right? Wouldn't that have been amazing if he hit the thing and it flipped over, that would have been amazing. Uh, but you know, and it's just like, all this season, we've already talked about this, how the, how the Alouettes have been, you know, just like losing these games ignominiously. I mean, here's one that all insist Hamilton did not deserve to win. Just didn't, you know, and they only won it because of this unfortunate injury. You know, it's just like, I don't know. Did you come away with anything besides the East is tedious? Not really. I mean, <laughs> just the last five minutes of the game, it just felt like neither team wanted to walk away with it. I do want to compliment Dane Evans on that final drive, though, because he's been under yeah. fire all season. He got handed the ball with down five and said, here, go win us the game, and he went and did it. His it defense almost his almost his defense almost gave it back, but he went and did what yeah. he had to do there. Yeah. He got yanked in this game. I mean, honestly, I can't figure out why Schultz was in there for two drives. You know, I, uh, why? I almost wonder if they had a package prepared for Schultz that they were thinking they could, that that would work well for him or something, or they wanted to give Ottawa a different look or something. Yeah, could be. 
could be, but I mean, you know, Evans was throwing the ball well enough. I mean, yeah, he turned it over a few times that had the one fumble on like the one, well, that was a great, you know, chase the ball kind of thing. I it's, it's great to have fumbles like that once in a while, because it reminds you another one of the reasons why football is so freaking difficult. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't even grab the thing, you know, like a baseball that's easy or like a basketball that's easy. So, um, you know, he had that, he had a couple of grievous interceptions. Now, again, it's not like Otto is a scoring machine. So not many of those turnovers turned into points, but again, I just, the, I mean, okay. That's what I was thinking too, especially on that second one in the red zone. When they, then they have Schultz in there for the three plays. They didn't even bother because they're down by five. They didn't bother to keep the field goal. I thought that for sure. Okay. We have a goal line, but none of those plays worked. They were terrible. Schultz was terrible in the, in the, in that drive. And in the one before it, he did it two and out. So you know, so I didn't get that at all. Uh, Ty Cats, you got a lucky one there. I'm going to be angry about this one for a while. All right. Let's talk next week because the sun will come out tomorrow. Now, one of these first two teams needs the sun to come out real bad. <laughs> and this, this could be a real gut wrencher, I think. It could be a real nail biter. I get the feeling. So we've got the Montreal Alouettes are two and a half point favorite, which I can't imagine, at Ottawa, uh, over under 48. So, yeah, pretty low scoring game they're expecting. Um, I'm going to let you go first on this one, Joe. What do you think? Well, Ottawa's due for a win. Well, they win? From, from seeing Ottawa fans talk about their stadium experience, it almost certainly rains anytime Ottawa has a home game. So the sun may not come out for either of these teams, but I do think Ottawa is getting their first win. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling too. Um, I think Ottawa probably win this game. Uh, It's only two and a half points. So if you're betting, you probably want to bet the money line on this plus 125 on Ottawa. Good odds. All right. We've got Hamilton Tiger Cats. Eight point underdogs at BC Lions. And as I said before, remember the last time BC Lions came out of a bye, they ran up a 41 point win uh, against Edmonton. Uh, and, Toronto, ha- and Hamilton's traveling west on a short week. Right. And Hamilton traveling to BC is never a good thing to begin with for Hamilton. Right. I, I, right. This, isn't, this one wasn't all that hard for me. No, BC with a rest um, is going to score a lot of points against the Hamilton defense, who, excepting last week, has looked pretty weak and slow and just ineffective. Uh, The only question for me is over under 51 and a half points. BC might threaten that all by themselves. So I'm thinking the over on that one. All right. How about this one, Joe? Winnipeg only seven point favorites at Edmonton. Um, I guess the book is feeling kind of high on Edmonton, but I don't know. On one hand, I feel like Edmonton could cover this seven. I think Winnipeg's going to win, but on the other hand, man, I, I every every prediction I make about Winnipeg is an underestimation. So maybe I should just take them minus the points, huh? Might be worth a shot. I mean, I, I had the same <laughs> thought about Edmonton possibly covering maybe even a backdoor cover at the end or something. No. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it when you play this many games and you've played this well, there's always a chance you have a trap game, especially in between two games against Calgary. Right, but I feel like Winnipeg is well coached enough and veteran enough to avoid that kind of a thing. Yep. So I think they win yep. this one. I think Edmonton gives them a good effort. I, I do like what I've seen out of Edmonton the past couple of weeks, save for Calgary because they lost their starting quarterback in what a first drive or something, their first or second drive, and no. But besides that, they've been putting up good efforts. Hamilton and uh, Hamilton and Montreal could tell you all, all about that. So I, I, it's not going to be a walkover. It's not going to be 47 to three or anything like that, oh. but I, I do see Winnipeg winning. I think their core is experienced enough to make the 
big play at the end if they have to. They tend to do these things these days, but I don't think Edmonton's gonna. I I don't think Edmonton's gonna be a pushover either. Well, yeah, but one team's pushover is another team's double-digit victory, right? I mean, like like Winnipeg wins this game, say thirty to twenty. You come away going, yeah, Edmonton had a good game. They were no pushover, right? But Winnipeg could still win by double figures. I mean, they're, in my estimation, they're that good. And uh, I just want to say this too. You brought up that that point about you know the uh, the trap game, the thinking forward to next week. People talk about heart of a champion, mentality of a champion. I think that this is one of the things that you avoid, right? I mean, that's you're supposed to be beyond that stuff, right? When you're a champion when you're a defending champion, right? And, 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 you know, the Bombers are a true defending champion. They got most of their players back from those teams. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that's in it. And I'd like to go back and research it, but I don't think that the Bombers are too susceptible to garbage time points. I mean, they allow so few points in the second half anyway, generally that, you know, I, I, if you think that Winnipeg is going to win this game, you might as well bet them to cover because I'm not afraid of the backdoor cover necessarily. So uh, in any case, okay, last one, Toronto Argonauts, five and a half point underdogs at Saskatchewan. I don't know in the back-to-back game, I guess these things tend to split. But would you be shocked if Toronto upset in this game? Not at all. I'm actually picking Toronto. Are you picking Toronto? I'm picking all right. Toronto, all right. and there's two big reasons. The first we talked about earlier, where we're both in agreement that there's just something missing in Saskatchewan that shouldn't be. But the other thing is Cody Bouchard was hurt. Hmm. He got he got hit he got hit on a sack and tried to twist away and twisted his knee. And he's had knee issues on that knee. So he's not going to be 100%. And if he can't get away from a Toronto pass rush, that Toronto defensive line is pretty darn good. That that might make him a sitting duck if he plays. I haven't seen anything that says he's not going to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I But it's pretty that's... clear that he's hurting. And mm. if he's hurting and can't... And he, he has, he, he's one of those quarterbacks that... Isn't going to run for a hundred yards. Isn't going to blow up highlight films, but knows how to use his legs to make a play where there's nothing there. And if that's not there for him, that might hurt his overall game too. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Like Joe said, not on any injured list or anything like that. Uh, What do you think though, by the same token, Jamal Morrow should be a great uh, fantasy pick this week, huh? Usually would be. They seem to be running their offense as hit with him as the main guy. They they have used Freddie Hickson as a change of pace back every so often these past mm. little bit, but they're letting. Yeah, but Morrow seems like Mor- the best. They're letting Morrow be the be the guy for the most part. So he's been putting up consistent yardage, both running and receiving, and with. And with in the CFL fantasy game, a reception is a point all right. by itself. And if he has four or five of those, that's four or five points before you even start counting the rushing yards or the receiving yards. Yeah, he's the Andrew Harris of 2022. He's the all-purpose guy in the CFL this year. I mean, that's that's what I've been loving about Jamal Morrow so much. It's just like he's doing it both ways, and you know, he's he's getting them into scoring position and or scoring. Uh, in almost every game. So he's just had a hell of a yeah, season. He's so. good. He's good and he's fun to watch. Even yeah. even though I don't root for his team, he's a <laughs> kind of guy that's fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Good for the stats. All right. So, okay. So, wow. All right. Maybe I'll throw a few bucks then at Toronto and Ottawa since they're both underdogs. And uh, just remember, gamble responsibly. <laughs> Yeah, and don't listen to us when it comes to that. Right. <laughs> Dear God, don't let us cost you money. <laughs> I don't think you were too bad at pick'em last week, were you, Joe? I can't even remember. I have. You had, I started off. I, know. I started off slowly this year, so I haven't been paying much attention. To be fair. Let's All right. See. So you had the Owls. You had the Bombers. I did not. 
you had I had Hamilton, Saskatchewan, the Bombers, and Montreal. So two and two. I've been two and two most weeks, really. Or two and one. And I think I had and I think I had one three in one week that is kind of pushing me to 13 and 10 or whatever I'm at. Yeah, I'm 13 and 10. And the first week I was three and one. The week that there was three games, I was two and one. The rest of the weeks I've been two and two. So, you know, we'll take my advice with, you know, I wouldn't throw a lot of money behind. Right, just gamble responsibly. In any case, yes. Um, all right, Joe. Uh, what do you got for us? What are you going to go out with us with? So, so I saw a couple of references during the bomber game with Aguadosi making those lar- making those catches over the top of people's heads and saying, "Hey, look, Carlton Aguadosi mossed this guy," and I'm just sitting there going, "I don't really like that phrasing for some reason." I like that. I like when people become a verb. Yeah, that's great. That's 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 language power. It's like gerrymander. It, right? it, it took me. It took me a minute to go. Oh wait, that's a good thing. It's okay. <laughs> it's my team doing it now, not somebody else's. Right. Yep. That's right. You've assimilated him. You've assimilated Randy Moss. Let's sign it off here. I'm Oz Davis, and for my co-host Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge Ryan Blue CFL podcast. We will talk to you next week and enjoy the games. Go Owls. Maybe. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.